Praise God. Well, hey, we are doing a series here at Thrive. It also happens to be our theme for this new year of 2022. It's called New Heart, New Horizons. And it's really because we believe that God has new horizons for you, for us as a church family and for you personally. God doesn't want you to stay stuck in the same ruts, but he wants you to grow. He wants you to expand. He wants you to move on to you know, new things because God is a God who does new things. It's a year of new heart and new horizons. How do you get a new heart for a new horizon? Such an important question because you're going to find that if you want to fully appreciate and experience the new horizons that God has for you, whether it's in your future, your career, your relationships, it all begins with the heart. Is that the condition of your heart impacts the reach of your horizon. And so how do you get a new heart for a new horizon? That's what we've been talking about in the series called New Heart, New Horizons. We looked at it last week in October and November of 2021. We also looked at this theme as well. I encourage you to go check out our Thrive Church Vancouver podcast for more on that. And hey, by the way, if you are new to church generally, if you've never been to church before, uh, if maybe you're coming in from a different religious background or no background at all, you're just kind of curious, maybe it's been decades or years since you ever had anything to do with the church. We are so thrilled that you're here. And we hope that you find that Thrive is a safe place for you, a place where you can be yourself, a place where you can find some hope and some community to you know, encourage you as you start this week. And if we can do anything for you at all, if we can help you in any kind of way, ask any or answer any questions you may have, you can always email us at info at thrivechurch.ca. In fact, you know, to show you just how much uh, you uh, can be yourself, let me tell you how much I'm myself today. Can I show I, I know if you can close up on my face, Will, right now, but, but here you go. Uh, it's on my face. Here you go. You got this. This is a mole, all right? And uh, this is a pimple, all right? They li- I know they look kind of the same, but there's no, I, I don't wear makeup on this camera. Mole, which, which I've had all my life. Pimple, which I just met this past week, all right? And you, know, you draw a little curvy Amazon, you know, Amazon line there. I'll have like two faces on here, like a two-faced pastor. But the fact is this, that's how, uh, that's how much you can be yourself here at Thrive. We can be real with one another, amen? Amen. And uh, I want to tell you today, we're so blessed to have someone who is absolutely real. Uh, he's one of the realest guys I know, one of the realest men of God I know, one of the realest pastors I know. And every time he's here at Thrive to bring the message, we are all incredibly blessed. He's also got one of the most real beards of anybody. Uh, his name is Pastor Nick Osborne. And Pastor Nick Osborne, he and his lovely wife, Jamie, they uh, you know, lead Lighthouse Church in Stevenson, uh, and they are dear friends of Thrive. And we're so incredibly blessed to have Pastor Nick here to bring the message to us today. And so would you please join me in giving a warm Thrive welcome to Pastor Nick Osborne as he brings the message to all of us today. Let's give him a big hand, good shout. Let's welcome him. Let's give God some praise as well. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor JB, uh, for those kind words. And Happy New Year, Thrive Church. It is a pleasure to be with you today on this second Sunday of 2022. Now is the time of year that, that we often, we look back at the year that was, and we look ahead at the year that's coming up. And it does make me wonder, just in our daily life, where do we, where do you tend to dwell in your thoughts? Do you tend to dwell in the past a lot? You think about the past, or maybe we, we are always thinking about what's coming up in the future, or maybe we're one of those few people that can stay present and focused on the present. Now, when we think of 
new heart, new horizons. Um, it may be normal to gaze into the future, right? Thinking about what might be coming on this new horizon. But part of being fully alive and fully devoted as a follower of Jesus, uh, it means just being present and aware. I mean, think of how much present moment joy we may miss out on because we're focused on the past or we're focused on the future. And in fact, a really important part of preparing our heart for God's new horizon in our journey with him is staying in the present, being aware of God's movements today so that he can guide us into his preferred future tomorrow. So with that in mind, I want to look at a story from Mark chapter 14. So let's start with the first two verses of Mark 14, verses 1 and 2, just to give us a little bit of background onto what's going to be happening in the story. So this is Mark chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of thin bread. The chief priests and the teachers of the law of Moses were planning how they could sneak around and have Jesus arrested and put to death. They were saying, we must not do it during the festival because people will riot. So here, the gospel author Mark mentions that these religious leaders are are actively looking for an opportunity to capture and kill Jesus. Now, this has been quite a turnaround for Jesus because at the beginning of Mark, at the beginning of his gospel story, we see how the crowds heard the teaching. They heard the message of Jesus as good news. But as Mark unfolds the story, opposition to Jesus begins to mount. And now here in Jerusalem, Jesus is experiencing almost unrelenting opposition. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that Jesus uh, was so popular at the beginning of his ministry and so unpopular at the end. What happens throughout his teaching that makes him lose the favor of some of the people? Well, people, they they loved his miracles. They loved what Jesus could do for them. But Jesus also taught that wellness, that, that being fully alive is found by letting go of control. Where we let go of control of our own life and allow Jesus to guide us in the days ahead. And we do that by making this commitment to follow him. That's what happens. When we commit to follow Jesus, we say, I am going to give up control. I'm going to give up being the the boss of my life, and I'm going to follow your lead through your Holy Spirit. And to be honest, it's hard for us. We really don't like giving up control. And so as Jesus taught that people were to give up control of their lives and follow him, 
people stood against that. They didn't like that. But also the religious leaders themselves, they saw themselves losing power over the crowds. They saw themselves losing power over their own destiny. They were very works driven. If I do these things, if I tithe, if I fast, if I do all these religious laws, then I will be good with God. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, no, it's not about that at all. It's really just about following me. And they, the, the religious leaders didn't like the fact that, that, that they were losing control over their own destiny in that way. And so these verses that we just read, they show us how unaware the religious leaders were of who was in their midst. But they were not the only clueless people to the plans of God. So Jesus knows that his time is coming. His disciples, though, as we're going to see, were quite oblivious, except for one follower of Jesus. So another question we can ask ourselves, just like the religious leaders, what's going on with the disciples here? Because Jesus was pretty clear to them that he was going to die that he came to go to the cross. So why were the disciples so clueless to that fact, so unaware? Like, what was causing their spiritual blindness? And when we look at that question and think about that question, we can turn that on to ourselves and say, hey, is there anything about the work of God around me that I may be blind to? One of the most important ways that we can grow as a follower of Jesus is to grow in awareness, that our eyes would be open so that we can be more aware of the movements of God in us and around us. Our new horizons, they may not come with fanfare. They may not come with a big announcement. They may come quietly. And so one of the ways that we prepare our heart is by growing in awareness so that we don't miss God's movements and we don't miss his guidance into our new horizons that may come with a still, small voice. So let's look at this one disciple, this one follower of Jesus, who in this moment was aware and responsive to God's plans and purposes. So we're going to pick up the story now, verse 3, and we'll read from 14, 3 to verse 9. Jesus was eating in Bethany at the home of Simon, who once had leprosy. When a woman came in with a very expensive bottle of sweet-smelling perfume. After breaking it open, she poured the perfume on Jesus' head. This made some of the guests angry, and they complained, Why such a waste? We could have sold this perfume for more than 300 silver coins and given the money to the poor. So they started saying cruel things to the woman. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. You will always have the poor with you. And whenever you want to, you can give to them. But you won't always have me here with you. She has done all she could by pouring perfume on my body to prepare it for burial. 
You may be sure that wherever the good news is told all over the world, people will remember what she has done and they will tell others. So let's start in verse 3 with what the woman did. Now Mark, in his uh, version of this story, he doesn't tell us the woman's name. But the Gospel of John does tell us who this woman is. This woman is Mary of Bethany. Mary, the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. So we've met her in other stories, including the the raising of Lazarus from the dead uh, in John chapter 11, where Mary's grief moved Jesus to tears. We also meet her in Luke chapter 10, where Mary and Martha are, are with Jesus and others. And Martha is very, very busy making preparations and doing the work. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, and Martha complains to Jesus, says, hey, my sister's not helping. And Jesus says, actually, Martha, Mary's chosen the better thing in this moment. So we can, we can notice now even that, that, there, that Mary has this awareness of Jesus that others don't seem to. And Mark mentions there's this uh, alabaster flask or this small bottle of perfume. It would have been uh, a very, very expensive oil. It would have been a very small bottle uh, with a very thin neck. And what Mary would have done is she would have gone to Jesus and she would have broken the neck of the bottle um, and p- opened it and then poured the entire contents on, uh, on the head of Jesus. So let's just take a moment to reflect on the awareness of Mary in this moment. This is a very perceptive act on Mary's part. Where the other disciples, they were clueless to Jesus's impending death. They, in some cases, they even denied it, said, no, it won't happen to you, Jesus. Mary was not. Mary was aware. So another great, great question is simply this. Why do you think that Mary was more perceptive than the other disciples? They missed all of Jesus's intent in his teaching about his upcoming death, but Mary didn't. So why was she more perceptive than the other disciples? Well, one thing we learn about the disciples throughout the gospel stories is that they were very ambitious. They had plans for themselves as Jesus' followers. They had plans for Jesus as well. He was going to come in. He was going to kick out the Romans, bring down fire on the Samaritans, all this sort of stuff that he was going to do. They had a lot of ambition. Mary didn't. Mary was happy to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. We never see Mary telling Jesus what to do, or what he should do. The disciples, their ambition led them to have blinders. Sometimes when we have this ambition, or we have this firm idea of like, God has to act this way, we put on blinders, 
and we miss, we become unaware and we miss of all the ways that God is acting outside of those blinders we've put on. That's what was happening with the disciples. That's why they were so unaware because they're so intent on their plan for Jesus that they missed God's plan for Jesus. So they had this ambition and they, it gave them these blinders and they had a hard time seeing anything outside of their their goals, or their ideas. Mary did not have the same kind of ambition. So she is able to let God be God. She's able to let God direct. She's able to take her cues from him. So once again, who's in charge of your life? Are you able to sit and wait and listen And let God be God in your life. Or do you have your plans? You know what your horizon's gonna be and you are gonna get there and God has to work within your ideas, your blinders. If that's the case, we're gonna miss a lot of what God has to offer us. Take note of how Mary does this. I I love this part about Mary. So, she, she breaks open this bottle. She anoints Jesus for burial. But she didn't talk about it. She didn't announce it. She didn't describe it as she did it. She didn't explain it after she had done it. She just did it. And even though no one else except Jesus understood what she was doing or why she was doing it, she still did it. And sometimes it makes me wonder, why do we sometimes feel so compelled to explain to people why we're doing things? Like we want, um, we, we, we want their words of affirmation. We look to the affirmation of others instead of looking to the affirmation of Jesus. Why do you think that is? Sometimes, well, sometimes we just don't want to look foolish So we say, oh, I'm doing this for this reason. And so people say, oh, yeah, I see that's a good idea. Um, Sometimes we do, we talk about things because we want to catch the eye or the compliments of other people. But when Mary had finished, she didn't look to the other disciples. She didn't ask their opinion about it. She just did it because she was following the cues of Jesus and wanting to honor Jesus. There's a famous preacher named Charles Spurgeon who said, if like Mary, if we could do more and talk less, we would be a bigger blessing. (laughs) I like that. If we could do more and talk less, we'd be a bigger blessing. Mary was aware and her awareness caused her to act. She acted based on her awareness of God, not her awareness of other people's thoughts or opinions. So that's what she did. And then verses four to nine tell us what the reaction to her actions were. Mark records that some were really upset. Some people were indignant. 
he says. This is a second time Mark records that the disciples were indignant about something. He also says they were indignant in Mark chapter 10 when James and John asked Jesus for the place of honor next to Jesus' throne. It says all the other disciples became indignant. And you know what? In both cases, their indignancy was misplaced and inappropriate. It was based on their selfishness. It was based on their ambition. And it's, Mark says that these disciples criticized her sharply. Now, other gospel authors, they mention Judas specifically, but Mark makes it clear that many of the other disciples feel the same way as Judas. They are angry at her. They are criticizing her. And the reason they say is because she's wasting this perfume or the money that this perfume is worth. It says, Mark says it was 300 silver coins or 300 denarii. So that's almost one year's wage for a laborer. Think about that for a moment. What's a year's wage for a laborer? Today. Well, I guess it depends, but it could be anywhere from thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year. Imagine, imagine if someone said, Hey, here's a little jar of oil and perfume that is worth forty thousand dollars, cracks it open and pours it out. We might say, Wow, what a waste. But that's not what Jesus said. I do wonder though. You may have noticed that I like wondering when I read scripture. I hope you do too. But wonder with me, is this the real reason or the only reason why they criticize her? Just because of, of the waste that they thought? I do wonder if one of the reasons, perhaps, one of the reasons that they criticize her was not just because of the apparent waste, but because they didn't understand They didn't understand why Mary was showing such extravagant love to Jesus. And she was showing more extravagant love to Jesus than they were. They didn't understand it and they didn't like it. Sometimes, if we're honest, sometimes we see other people who express their love to Jesus in a way much more extravagant than we would. But rather than cheer them on and encourage them, we sometimes tend to criticize them because they are worshiping God or following God or serving him or doing, you know, showing love for him in a way that we feel, oh, that's totally over the top. Have you ever done that? I know I have. At times I've seen people and they are, they are worshiping in a way that's just like, wow, that's incredible. And I have to check my heart and not judge them, but instead cheer them on and encourage them and be thankful for them. Because sometimes another person's extravagant love for Jesus makes us feel uncomfortable and we don't like that. And regarding their criticism of waste, this is really interesting. The, the word that Mark uses for waste is also translated destruction or perdition. And it's the same word that Jesus uses in John seventeen twelve to describe Judas. 
So here in this story, Judas is criticizing Mary for something that he sees as wasteful. Meanwhile, Jesus says, Judas, you have wasted your entire discipleship journey. And so these disciples, they criticize Mary. What does Jesus do? His response, leave her alone. Perhaps this is how he would respond to our criticism of others who are being extravagant in their love for him or following Jesus in a way different than how we do it. We look at the extravagant love and, and maybe a bit of criticism rises up in our heart and Jesus says, leave them alone. <laughs> leave them alone. They are doing something beautiful, right? The disciples thought that this using the oil this way was a waste, but Jesus calls it good and beautiful work. In Greek, there are two words for the word good. One is agathos, and it means morally good. That's not what Jesus says here. He uses the word kalos, K-A-L-O-S. And that word means good and lovely and beautiful and ideal. And so Jesus says, leave her alone. Mary's act is good and beautiful and lovely and ideal. Why is this a good work? Why, why, why is what Mary did good and ideal and beautiful and lovely? I think there's a couple of reasons. One is because it was born out of her awareness. She was present to God and aware of his movements, aware of his plans. And she acted in response to that, she was aware and she, she acted out of her awareness. When our awareness of God's movements in us and in our lives, when it causes us to respond, when we respond to the movements of the Spirit, those actions are beautiful and good and lovely and ideal when the Spirit stirs you up, you see, you see the Spirit working in a person or a family, and you go over and you serve God in some way by serving that family, God says that is beautiful and good and lovely and ideal because it is born out of our awareness of the movements of the Spirit in the present moment. For Mary, it was the awareness that Jesus was about to die. She believed the teaching of Jesus in, in a way that, that the other disciples did not. When Jesus said, I'm going to be delivered into the hands of wicked people to be mocked and scourged and crucified, she believed him. She didn't try to correct him. She didn't try to talk him out of it. She believed him. And she wanted to help him prepare for the ordeal. So rather than debating with Jesus or, or denying his death, her awareness turned it into an act of deep devotion. When God prompts us in a certain way, do we tend to debate with him? Or do we just say, yes, Lord, and respond as he would have us respond, because that is what he calls good, beautiful, lovely, and ideal. 
And another reason why I think this is a considered a good action is because of what Jesus says in verse eight. He says, she has done what she could. So Mary was aware and she acted and she did what she could. There were many things that Mary couldn't do, but there was one thing that she could do and she did it. And the disciples, the other disciples who were unaware, they didn't understand. And the irony of this story is that the disciples, they're the ones who were yearning for fame and for influence. Mary didn't yearn for those things. She just wanted to follow Jesus and love Jesus. And it's her act that Jesus says is going to be remembered forever. So let me wrap up with these two key points. Key point from the story, key point number one, we need to grow in awareness so that we can respond to God's movements with love and worship and service to Jesus. So key point number one, we need to grow in awareness. Key point number two, we need to do what we can do. Right? We might look at the story and say, I love Jesus too. Tell me what I should do to show it. But no one can tell you that. Part of the beauty of the story is that Mary came up with the idea to express her love for Jesus in this way. And she came up with the idea herself. No one told her what to do. Your act of loving service may be different from my act of loving service. Do what you can do. And if you see someone doing something else, we don't need to stop it, and we don't necessarily need to imitate it. We need to grow in awareness so that we can do what we can do. God doesn't expect more than what you can do, but he doesn't expect less either. Whatever you can do, that is what God says. That is good and beautiful and lovely and ideal. And so where is God moving in your life? Where is God moving around you? What can you do today to be more aware of God's movements in and around you? And how can you respond with your own act of loving service to Jesus? New heart, new horizons. So we prepare our heart by becoming aware and we partner with God in moving toward that new horizon as we respond to his movements in our life and around us. So on this January 9th, at the beginning of 2022, I pray that God would bless you with great awareness of his presence in your life and his actions around you. And I also pray that you would be able to respond and know what he has called you to do as you follow him, whatever it is, no matter what people around you may say or think, 
If you are responding to God out of your awareness of him, he says, that is beautiful and it is good and it is lovely and it is ideal. So be blessed today and in 2022. Amen. Can we give God a big hand and also thank Pastor Nick for that message just now. Praise God. Today we're learning about awareness, about how important it is to be aware of what God is doing in our lives, to not be so distracted by what we are doing, by our own agenda, by our stuff, that we miss the bigger things that God is doing. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to be aware. It's time to be aware. Now the question is, how do you get aware? How do you become more aware of what God is doing in your life? You know, I don't know if you ever got this phrase from someone, maybe a parent, maybe a teacher, maybe a coach. Uh, did someone ever tell, tell you this? Did, did, anyone, did anyone ever say to you, don't just sit there, do something. Don't just sit there, do something. Would you ever say, don't just sit there, do something. <laughs> maybe like, you know, in trouble, don't just sit there, do something. Well, let me tell you this, is that one of the big lessons we learn in both the story we looked at today and in all of the Bible, uh, is that there's a time to do something and there's a time to sit. And sometimes the thing we need to say and the thing we need to hear is not, don't just sit there, do something. Sometimes what we need to hear is, don't just do something, sit there. Don't just do something, sit there. Why? It's because Mary became aware of what God was doing because she sat. Mary worshiped in the presence of God because she sat. Mary did something beautiful and memorable and impactful because she first sat. And sometimes as much as we can be really hurried in our heart, whether it's in our, you know, the stuff we want to do for God or for others or for ourselves, there is such value in copying what Mary did. Not maybe exactly taking a jar of perfume and doing exactly that, but the fact that she sat and became aware of what Jesus was doing and then responded to what Jesus was doing. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't just do something, sit there. There's so much value in doing. That's why we love being here in church together. It's a time for us to breathe. It's a time for us to sit in God's presence and to sit under the teaching of his word and to be reminded of what we're here to do. And we're here to give God worship. In just a moment, I'm gonna like, offer the, the, you guys an opportunity with our band, with Rachel, to, to, to sing a song, to give God our worship, to do something. But before we do that, I wanted to give you an opportunity to receive from God as well. And see, you know, we saw the story of Mary breaking this alabaster jar. And when she breaks the jar, you know, after the jar is broken, out flows this perfume that changes the atmosphere. In the same way, I have you know that that jar is a picture of Jesus. How Jesus would, soon after that moment, he would break his body and out would pour out his blood and it would change the atmosphere. It wouldn't just change the moment, but it would change eternity for each and every one of us that when we had no way of getting to God, when we were separated from God because of our sin, when we couldn't reach God, no matter how hard we try or how hard we, we, we work or how good we think we are, when we had no way of reaching God, Jesus came 
and he, the son of God, the perfect son of God, he broke his body and he shed his blood to change it all for us so that we could be forgiven. So that not only does the emotional atmosphere change, but our status with God changes. We go from sinners who need a savior to children of God who belong to him. We go from people who are lost to people who are found, from people who had no hope to people who have an eternal hope. And if that's you and you realize that you need a little bit of that today, you need a little bit more of God's hope, a little more of God's peace. You want a relationship with God. You don't just want a religion. You don't just want to follow a bunch of rules, but you want a relationship with God. I'm here to let you know that you don't have to work for it. God already made it possible through what Jesus Christ did on the cross when he broke his body and shed his blood. And if that's something you need to do, you want to receive that gift, the gift of relationship with him, it's as simple as praying a prayer. It's as simple as opening the door of your heart. And if you want to do that, you can do that right now. You can click the link that's in your chat room. You can scan the QR code that's on your screen. And when you do that, when you click that link, when you scan that QR code, it's going to take you to a page with a simple prayer on it. And just so that you're not doing this alone, just so you know that you're not on your own when you do this, I'm going to do this with you. In fact, we're all going to do this together as just a simple way to say to Jesus, God, I know that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and I thank Jesus for dying on the cross for me. And if that's you and you realize that you need God's forgiveness, you need God's peace, you need God's hope, something that you couldn't manufacture but Jesus made possible for you and for me. I'm going to encourage you to just click that link, scan that QR code. Are you there? Are you did that? Did you do that already? Do you see that page? Well, let's do this together. Whether you see that page on your screen or not, why don't you pray this prayer with me? This is a simple way to invite Jesus Christ to come into our lives, invite him to forgive us, and to invite him to start a brand new relationship with us today. It's only because of him. So would you do this right now? Would you just pray this prayer with me? Just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of all my sins and please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, then according to the Bible, you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. You're a citizen of heaven. You have a hope that you didn't earn, but a hope that we simply receive because of the goodness of God, his love, his unconditional love in our lives. And so can you give a big hand to all those who prayed that prayer just now? Praise God for that. That's amazing. We've got a couple gifts to give to you at the bottom of that page where you prayed that prayer. On top of that, you know, if you're wondering what's your next step, I encourage you to do a couple things. Number one, keep on coming to church. Every baby needs a family to grow up in. We'd love to be your spiritual family here at Thrive. And so we'd love to see you next week and the weeks to come. Keep on coming to church. That's how we grow. Another thing that we want to do is we want to encourage you to get baptized. Everyone say baptize. Everyone say baptism. What is baptism? Baptism is a simple way to say, I know I'm a sinner who needs a savior and I thank Jesus for being my savior. I thank Jesus for dying on the cross for me. It's not a graduation, it's a beginning. It's a simple way to declare your faith and it's the next step after you receive Jesus into your life. And so if you pray that prayer just now, your next step is to get baptized. We'd love to see you in baptism. You can go to mythrob.info, press the baptism button. We'd love to set you up uh, for that and to help you do it in a safe uh, and uh, awesome way. And so we encourage you to sign up for my for at mythought.info press the baptism button for more on that praise god good morning 
Thrive. Welcome to Thrive Church. My name is Christine and I hope you had a fantastic time today at Thrive Church Online. Before we end off, let's jump into some announcements and take a look at what's coming up here at Thrive. If this is your first time joining us, we're so excited that you're here with us today. We want to show you how much we appreciate you being here today by giving you a Thrive Stainless Steel Water Bottle. Please connect with us by texting NEW to 604-285-5770 or by visiting mythrive.info and click NEW to Thrive so that we can mail you a water bottle. You may have prayed a prayer earlier today to receive Jesus. Congratulations! Share your great news with us by visiting mythrive.info and click I want to receive Jesus today or text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770. We want to help you build a relationship with God and so prepare the gift and great biblical content for you to enjoy while answering some of your questions about Christianity. And if you're new to Thrive or still checking out Thrive Church, we want to invite you to join us for Meet the Pastors on Zoom. It's the perfect way to meet new friends, ask questions, and to know more about Thrive Church. If your goal is to get connected more to a local church, Meet the Pastors on Zoom is the best way to start your journey here at Thrive. It's happening on Sunday, January 16th at 1.30pm on Zoom. For more information and to sign up, please visit mythrive.info. Info. Are you interested in learning more about Thrive and about who we are? If you answered yes, then TDS Level 1 is the right fit for you. TDS Level 1 is an online course for one hour on Wednesday, January 19th. For more information and to sign up, please visit mythrive.info. If you've already taken TDS Level 1 and 2 and would like to learn more about your God-given shape and how to use your ability to serve God and build His church, then I'd like to highly encourage you to join us for TDS Level 3. It will be a six-week course and fully online. To learn more and to sign up, please visit mythrive.info. Alright, so that concludes our announcement today. If you believe in the mission of Thrive and would like to contribute towards it, I encourage you to head on over to mythrive.info and click online giving. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of the week. Don't forget to tune in next Sunday right here at Thrive Church Online. See you soon.